for four teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's really hard? Finding time to read during the school year. Yes. But now it's summer and we can't wait to share our books with you that we or that we'll be discussing. And welcome to our first book club discussion. Yay! <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about The Samurai's Garden by Gail Tsukiyama. But beware, there are spoilers, so don't listen if you haven't read the book, but come back later after you do. Hey, ladies. Okay, so I hope you love this book as much as I do. This one was my pick, and um, I chose this book. I have read this book several times over the course of the, the years since it's been released. It's not a new release. It was released in the 1990s, but it was one of those books that after I read it, I thought, oh, my God, I have to own this, and I have reread it several times. Um, for me, reading it was such a sensory experience, and I love the language that Gail Tsukiyama uses. It's almost like reading poetry. Um, and the way I felt after reading it, I felt like I'd just been through like an hour long meditation and I was so decompressed. What were your first impressions? It was so calming. I remember you had told when you first recommended the book, I think back in December, um, you, that's exactly what you had said. It's like, oh, it's like a meditation. I remember picking it up and I actually could not put it down until I finished it. So I read the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> it, it was it was really zen for me too. And, you know, sometimes titles intrigue me. And I like this title because I thought, you know, Samurai's Garden, it's opposites. I mean, you don't really think of a samurai uh, yes. in a garden. And I really wanted to discover why, you know, she, um, she did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are some beautiful Japanese gardens in the Pacific Northwest, in, both in the U.S. and Canada. And I love the feeling that you get when you explore them. And Mm -hmm. again, beauty, peace, a calm feeling comes over you. And so the title made me think of that. I had no idea what the book was about uh, and its place in history. Um, And the main reason I picked it was because Tracy said, (laughs) I very, (laughs) very, (laughs) very often pick books because a friend whose opinion I I trust and treasure says, this is a great book. I think you should read well, and, it. And Retta, mm-hmm. I loved all the pictures you've been posting on Facebook of the garden that you've been reading in this book. Uh, <laughs> yes. I know. Japanese yes, maple. I love that. <laughs> yes. So, okay. We've got our first impressions down. So let's, let's dig a little deeper. Okay, so guys, the garden acts as a center or a core of the novel. I mean, everything kind of revolves around the garden. All three characters, Stephen and Matsu and Sachi, they all find some sense of comfort in tending the garden. 
which by the way, is another reason I love this book. <laughs> so yeah. what are some of the metaphors for garden and, and how are they worked out in the novel? What, what are your thoughts about how, I mean, cause the setting is almost like another character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Each of, each of the gardens is, um, I think in each case, it's a metaphor for the way each lives his or her life. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Matsu lives his life growing and cooking things, nurturing, caring for yeah. others. He cared for Stephen's grandfather, you know, caring for him. Um, and Sachi needs a, needed a place where she could find peace and learn to cope. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, through his art, which was never appreciated back in China, um, found beauty and the way he could communicate beauty to others through his art, through uh, painting the gardens. Did you get the sense too, like um, that maybe Stephen also found a sense of order because his whole life had been so uprooted with his, his illness. I mean, that's why he's there is to heal, but it's also his family is in chaos. And I I just kind of felt like painting that garden and the way the steps he took and the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The methodical yeah. way that Matsu tended it and um, Stephen painted it, you know, gave a well, sense I of think order. That he was, I think Stephen also was fascinated with Sachi's garden in just that, you know, it was so um, different and so minimalist, yet finding the beauty in just the sand yes. and the patterns and you know, it didn't have to be like this lush garden, but almost finding um, contentment with little. Yeah. Where yeah. I kind of thought too, like the gardens kind of resembled the yes. people who tended yeah. them. So Matsu yes. was maybe more traditional, more lush, more, you know, it was plant-based. Whereas Sachi, mm-hmm. you know, with the leprosy that she had, think about how her life was just pared yes. away, yeah. right? I mean, literally, mm-hmm. with the disease and with what happened to her and the sparseness in, of her garden, the, the dry garden that she has, to me, it's like her essence, right? It's mm-hmm. stripped down to yes. the core. And I, I think it was interesting, too, that she didn't want flowers because they were beautiful and she didn't feel herself to be beautiful, oh, at least yeah. for a long time. Right. Could it could it also yeah. have been because flowers died? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and you know yeah. she she lived with the specter of death all yeah, the time. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I really think all in all those gardens definitely represented life and the way they were living. And I know even even that bridge that um, Matsu had, it was like a bridge to the to the unknown, maybe mm-hmm. to heaven. So yeah. it just um, just really beautiful. Could Sunshine I insert a little teacher tip here? <laughs> yeah, because our listeners you know, are teachers. We never, we never, we yep. never turn turn it off, right? <laughs> whenever, whenever I read about Sachi and how she was tending her garden, all I was thinking—not all, but it—it it always crossed my mind that if you have a calm down corner in your classroom or just a place where kids can go and breathe and you know think it over, or whatever you call it. Um, a miniature version of Sachi's yes. garden, little rake yep. and a rake yeah. and, and little oh, yes. rocks to rearrange. Yep. That's a very calming activity. Oh, and sometimes that's all you would need for, you that's, know, for a kid yeah. to, 
Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. They could all have their own little Zen garden and they can just, you know. Ooh. Well, that would get, I thought of that, actually. I was going to do that one year. But, every, yeah. I, okay, Kathy, you okay. try it out for us um, this year. On sand. On every desk, yeah. a, a pan okay. full of sand. Think about yeah. that. And the desk no, 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 no. and the people brush by. A nightmare. No, that sounds, sounds like a nightmare. Like not calming. When Becca was little, but. she had something along the same um, – uh-huh. I don't know what the along the same lines, but it wasn't sand. It was called a Buddha board. Have you guys seen those? Yes. And it, it's this, yeah. it's uh-huh. a square they still paper make- or cardboard or something with this beautiful paintbrush and you wet it in water and you draw on the board and it makes these lovely pictures. But yeah. then as the water evaporates, it disappears. But again, it's like that really calming and it's oh, not messy. Oh <laughs> yeah. Same concept. Okay, so again, for your calm down corner, why not have one of those and and the garden, the tranquility garden? Mm -hmm. As long as the kids don't go in there and start throwing sand. Well, I personally would not send more than one person at a time to that. And and I would also personally really develop the idea and demonstrate before we use it. So like I wouldn't send a wild kid, you know, who's who is so emotional and distraught over mm-hmm. there right away. I would have that as a yes. thing they could choose to use to yeah. calm down. Yeah. So <laughs> we took a break. As we always do. Um, <laughs> we just took summer away yeah. from everybody. Yeah, so. I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering though, what you think think Matsu discovers about himself in his garden and what you think Sashi discovers about herself. It's hmm. a good one. <laughs> I think um, Matsu, I don't know if he discovered it then, but at some point he discovered it that you can do all the planning and tending and caring that um, you want to do. And mother nature is still, um, <laughs> I don't want to swear. Mother Nature is is still not um, not exactly uh, kind. Well, Mother Nature is not or, or predictable. Or Mother predictable. Nature is Mother Nature. That that yeah, even right. in taming the chaos, there will still be chaos. It's almost like an illusion, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Each of them was creating an illusion by tending that garden because on this planet, nothing but stays I also the think same. That no it matter was what humans do. Yeah. Of tending That's the true. gardens because it reminded me of you know when you see those monks that make the um, yeah. beautiful uh, what is it like the mandalas out of sand and and yeah. the purpose yes. is not for it to be permanent yes. but to make mm-hmm. it and then it just gets blown away by the wind which always uh, to me was like what well, after all that work um, but it's a it's a different mindset it's a different mindset <laughs> oh yes exactly well, I, I wonder right. if it- you can kind so of so- garden taught her acceptance. I mean, because that's what yes. it teaches. What you just described Vacation. is you have to learn acceptance yep. that what you create will be destroyed. That's and after that fire that that was there too, didn't that yeah. that burned up her garden? Yes. So they had to start from yeah. scratch again, yep. very <laughs> calmly. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would have been, ah, yep. my God, yep. look at yeah. my garden. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, so- I don't think they, they said that. I don't think Sachi or Matsu said that. 
They just got no, about the no. business of rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just said if it was me, right. I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need a calm down corner, girl. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's move on and let's talk about some of the themes that we found in the book. Well, loneliness and solitude and isolation are, are all themes that seem to permeate throughout the novel. How do you think the three main characters' mm-hmm. approaches to these feelings vary? Or how are they similar? Or how do they change? Mm. Well, when when uh, Stephen first got there, he he seemed to be bored a little bit and just really wasn't sure what to do. And he just got into it. And I mean, he would go out there. And when he opened those doors, and I love the way they described oh, those right. doors, Soshi doors or something. Yeah. I can't remember. You know, it would just... Yeah, and the bright sun would be shining, and he would just be out there, just enjoying it. And um, the yes. other thing he would do was go to the beach, and he loved going there too. Yeah, Stephen was a people person mm-hmm. yes. in China, anyway, and and loved his family, and loved having his little sister around. And um, he didn't choose to be isolated. He he wasn't happy about traveling to Japan in the first place and being taken yes. from his family. He was lonely at the but beginning. But he came to embrace it. But then you're right, mm-hmm. he began mm-hmm. to embrace it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and this... Um, <laughs> I think, and, and then, okay, what about the I, other ones? I'm thinking about what all of you are saying, going, hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I kind of thought, well, like, Sachi, with the... the the yes, solitude and loneliness. Mm. The, yes, the forced yes. isolation. That was forced by, well, by and herself, society, though. But, well, All it would have been forced anyway because... Yes. Mm-hmm. Because right. she was expected to kill herself. Oh, she was expected yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. By her family, that would right. be but, no. but go back, go back a few steps and look at Sachi as the shallow, flighty, beautiful teenager Mm -hmm. she was. And think about maybe the one you were or any teenagers that you might have known or might know now. Um, What happened to her? Horrible. Horrible. I couldn't even imagine what that's like. You know, I would be a basket case. Yeah, and and what her life, you know, her imagined life was like and what it Mm -hmm. turned out to be. Um, So... Loneliness, solitude, isolation—you'd never think right. that about her before she got but the I disease. But I think she found she found because of Matsu tending. I mean, it was almost like she was a garden, and Matsu was tending her because of Matsu's yeah. fire. Yeah, I like that. Yes. I think that she, her perception of beauty outside of herself and and herself included changed drastically i think that her life was so mm-hmm. much deeper and beautiful and wizened and richer yes because yeah. of what happened the hindsight to her. part yeah yes yeah her her inner thoughts right yes yeah. yes and she yeah. accepted herself you know and i i think she even found a beauty in herself even though she had those you know yeah. deformities and everything so before she was kind of a soul with a beautiful body 
And afterwards, she was more yes, a body yes. that had a rich and deep, exactly. beautiful soul. Yes. A deformed yes. body, but yeah. with a beautiful soul. I, I think yes. so. Well, okay, so let's move on from here. And there's one character, main character, that we have not talked about in this book, and that would be Kenzo. guys Kenzo oh, yeah, I had such too. mixed feelings about Kenzo he you mm-hmm. know in some ways he pissed me off <laughs> and then in other yes. ways yeah. I felt like you know you kind of broke my heart um why oh, yeah, do you think Kenzo alert. killed himself <laughs> guilt and regret yeah right <laughs> guilt and regret and I hope you read the book guys <laughs> <laughs> Out there, not us. We know. Um, he talk about shallow teenager. Yeah, I mean the reasons that he had for loving Sachi were nothing like right. the reasons you could have for loving who she became. That's right. Yeah, and, and you know, and and relying on letter writing all those years, and never demanding to go and see her. And right, never coward's way. searching her out. He, he took the easy way. Out. Yeah, he did. he did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He began, yeah, he began to realize that, um, you know, yes. he, this, he wasn't knowing her and he, and he was his own worst enemy. Yeah. You know, what do you guys think about this? I kind of had this idea about Kenzo. You know, the expectation was when Sachi discovered she had leprosy that it, you know, she would do the honorable thing and, and commit suicide and which would restore honor to her family. And then I think about Kenzo, that whole suicide kind of idea that when he, he just, you know, commits suicide, I almost wonder, is this a way of, I mean, we look at it from a very Western point of view, but the whole thing about honor in, mm-hmm. in, and, you know, and that, by the way, is a, well, who was he that's a tradition. That's a samurai himself. tradition that when you lose honor, when you can no longer fight, when you can no longer do withstand or keep oh. up the samurai code that you do the ritualistic, they, they do the ritualistic um, suicide. They have a special sword they carry for that. And when are there when they So you're saying the same thing to us that I said in the beginning, only I said guilt and regret. And that isn't that isn't what the samurai code is, but basically that's what he was feeling. He regrets that he can't go back no, and do the right I think thing. he sees that he has dishonored. No. He has dishonored himself and and, himself and, and yeah that he has brought dishonor with his behavior i wonder if he realizes that and this is why he you know samurai we'll talk about that in a couple minutes but samurai which characters are the samurais and if that's how he views himself that he's brought dishonor then and the whole title of the book it made me think about that ritualistic suicide that the samurai warriors would do well, I, because to us it doesn't That's make an sense. Excellent point, right? Tracy. It I seems didn't more even think cowardly. Of that one. Neither did I. That's a way of escaping it rather than deal with right. what you've been, what you've done, or what you've thought, or your actions. Mm-hmm. So that's it's hard for us in twenty first century 
United yeah. States to understand yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I think different cultures have very different views of suicide. They have religious views. They have um, cultural views that are, you know, very juxtaposed against each other. And so we would the- yeah, yes. I think that's yes. what kept getting in my way because I see it as a very yes. selfish act. Mm-hmm. I think about yes. his family. But in I that think about his period, in that culture, uh-huh. that was actually not considered a selfish act. That was and considered what, a considered and what was act. Expected too, it, <laughs> you know, right? It was a way of, yeah, yeah. you know, and oh, go yeah. ahead, yeah. Well, just as when um, and didn't Sachi went to the beach with the other yeah. uh, leprosy victims. And, uh, yeah, they planned that, I guess, culturally, that was the expectation, right? Mm -hmm. To remove yourself from the community in that way. Yeah, it's, oh, I wish they'd make this book into a movie. I think it would make a phenomenal movie. It would. I'm surprised it It would be phenomenal. All right, guys. Did you look that up? (laughs) No, I did not. If it's a movie, it might I think we yeah. should look that up. It might be. <laughs> Although we hear about it in mainstream, I kind of sometimes I question how good the movie would be. But it would be it would make a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. It would mm-hmm. be beautiful. It would be. Okay, anyway. ladies, yeah. let's. We're almost out of time. We've got one, two more little things we need to. Well, not little, big things we need to talk about. Let's transition. Let's go ahead and talk about the title. So who is the samurai in the story? And it's funny, you know, when you were mentioning before Tracy, I thought I was really thinking it was Matsu and then it was Sashi, but I think maybe it's a lot of those people that had leprosy and they survived and they remained strong and they lived the best lives that they could, even in isolation. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. The definition of a samurai, I mean, when you look at it, the code of a samurai um, they were militaristic, um, right. They were loyal, but they had a code they had of honor. They were protectors. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Compassion, courage. I'm looking at it right now. Veracity, honor. These are all. No. So a, a samurai is not in any way a teacher, <laughs> right? Cause I was, I the first thing I thought of was as a teacher, and I started thinking about things that each of them taught each other. That was a really superficial way to look at it. But you think about like, okay, if they are truly, you know, in, in Japanese society, they were militaristic um, protectors. But the unwritten code of the compassion, the um, the the caring, mm-hmm. the um, the honor, the honesty, the loyalty, all of that. Who would be this? Who would be the samurai to you in this story? If you if you had to only pick, be able to pick one. Well, I would go with Matsu because um, he's like mm-hmm. almost a samurai of the soul, you know, because of um, 
his yeah. his character and his caring and the way he's helped people. Yeah. Especially Sashi. Yeah. I see Matsu the same way. He he tends garden everywhere. Everywhere he goes, he's tending. I agree, some and I sort think he really um, he embodies, like you were saying, the, the traits the garden of outside a samurai, of his home and, and the courage, the mercy, the loyalty, yeah, uh, politeness. He's sincere, and and he has honor. He doesn't just take the mm-hmm. easy way out. Oh, by mm-hmm. by the way, you guys. Side note: my mom's whole family came from mm-hmm. a samurai family. Yes, no, so that whole that yeah. like that side so of us. Oh my goodness! No, my mom doesn't wow. remember anything about anything, but she's a uh, she's also third generation. Wow! So, oh my gosh, did she ever tell you anything about any of them? Yeah. Yeah, right, evidently. Right. <laughs> wow. My my dad's whole side were farmers, so there you go. The balance there. Oh, so you go back to a, you go back to a great place, Kathy. Your family. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. Right. <laughs> yeah, but, but we need farmers. <laughs> They're so important. Yeah. And that goes with the garden aspect. For of me, it. <laughs> I thought about um, Sachi oh. as a, I, I agree with everything you've said about Matsu. Yes. And I have to say, like, I read, I read as many times as I read this book, every time I read it, I fall in love with Matsu all over again. Um, it would be a much happier place <laughs> if everyone had a Matsu in their life. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, he cooks every night for you. You don't have to do anything. I, after you. I think about herself and what she withstood, but she also was a compassionate caretaker. If you remember, Matsu was considered ugly. He was, he was not, he had a sense of otherness, right? Before all of this happened, she wouldn't have given Matsu the time of day before any of this happened. But in the end, she also caretakes. She she takes care of him and and, and his emotional, you know, needs as well. She's she's tending his garden. Just even, yeah. yeah. And she becomes the sister that he lost. And also a a mother and a father to um to Stephen. And she's a spouse of sorts to yes. to Matsu. You know the part where you find out that, mm-hmm. yes, that they yes, had a child that had died. I mean, it's just <laughs> heartbreaking. But yeah, here yes. they are. Oh, beautiful characters. Yeah. Well, ladies, we are book. almost out of time. This novel is so beautifully written. So think about it for a little bit. What is your favorite? quote from the book. Deanne, why don't you leave it off? There's so oh. many... Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, there's there's so many beautiful quotes. I, you know, there's a whole bunch, but I'll just go with this one. Um, Matsu is a samurai of the soul, a man devoted to doing good and finding beauty in a cruel and arbitrary mm-hmm. world. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a good one. My favorite was when Matsu found Sachi on the beach after the oh, mass yeah, suicide. yeah, that was one of my favorites. And he whispered, he got down <laughs> right on the ground with her and he whispered in her um, ear, Another one that I love. I had so many that I had highlighted as I was reading, Mm, but it was, it is not an act of bravery to try (laughs) to save your own village. 
It is an instinct to protect what you possess. Bravery is when you step in to help when you have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. Mm. My favorite is, great quote. the garden is a world filled with secrets. Slowly I see more each day. The black pines twist and turn to form graceful shapes while the moss is a carpet of green that invites you to sit by the pond. Even the stone lanterns, which dimly light the way at night, allow you only to see so much. And I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, that, that not that true yes. of how those characters interact with each other? Even to them as a garden, it's, it's full of yes. secrets. Yeah. Full of secrets. Yes, well, yes it is. To our listeners, we hope that you have enjoyed our first book group (laughs) of The Samurai's Garden by Gail Sukiyama, as much as we've loved it. Um, If you haven't read the book yet, then you've listened to spoilers and doggone it, you better go get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm inviting you today, um, if you're listening, to check the show notes, there's a blog link um, to my blog. I've created a free resource for you. Not a resource, a free gift for you because this is not a resource to teach with. This is just something for you to help you enjoy the book even more and and, and hold on to it even longer. Um, so be sure to check out the blog address, um, Wild Child's Mossy Oak Musings, in the show notes um, to snag your free gift. We hope that you like what you've heard today and that you'll join us next week for our discussion of Where the Crawdads Sing. We are all really geeked about this book. Um, It's on the bestseller list um, currently (laughs) um, and has received a lot of attention, and we can't wait to share our thoughts about that. Yes. And my friend told me to read it, so I did. So that's all we have time for today. (laughs) We hope that you come back because you teach so hard. You deserve to read good books. Oh.